0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I mean, I've done everything. Glenn Perkins. I've started. I've mopped up. I've closed. Glenn Perkins. We joke around and we have fun. And he's different. He's unique. He seems like a guy that I'd like to ever do it. It's me. It's Glenn Perkins on baseball. Sweet. And welcome to the Score North. Minnesota Twins are still in first place, albeit just barely. Show, show <laughs> after after a three-game, uh, I don't even know how to describe it series against the New York Yankees. Um, incredible series, dude! Uh, like beyond. Oh. I mean, it it, it was like it, they almost had like a f- like a football feel. Like it like it had that like get up out of your seat. Yes, like screw like. Scream! Sano hits. You know we're, we blow a lead. Sano hits a home run. Hicks hits a home run. Twins load the bases. Like that. That game in particular. But all three of them were just. It would like at the end of the game. Like I'm just sitting on my couch watching. I was sweaty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, like just nervous. It sweating. was. Un- it was unbelievable. Does watching relievers go through on both sides when relievers are going through. Anxious moments, high-anxiety moments like that. Does that like What do you feel when you watch that now? You
0: know, the only one that I felt like I could get in his head and in his shoes with him was Taylor Rodgers two nights ago when he gave up. You, you could see it. He, he had the two good at-bats. He got the two guys out, and then he's got that lefty guy, uh, their, their left fielder. And he got him 0-2, and then it was like he nibbled a little bit, and then he threw like a funky, like he kind of lost his feel for a second ends up walking that guy and I'm like yeah you know and then that's where you just you got to like I I was in I'm like step off gather yourself don't throw a fastball like where you threw it mm-hmm. but that up kind of out over the plate where that's the only pitch for me that Aaron Hicks that you got to worry about from a lefty facing him it's just don't throw it up out over the plate he's he's that classic guy get your hands up. So I, I was in I was in with him um you know, but that, that, that all said, I guess, Derek, you were there. Uh, I don't feel, I don't know if you were there or not. I was uh, hyperventilating we were, into a brown paper bag yeah, on my couch. Yeah, so Derek <laughs> was there. I, I have my thoughts. I want to get your guys' thoughts on, like, how do you feel after this series? Like, are you yeah. more confident in this team, less confident in this team? I know how I feel, but I want to know how you guys feel first. Go ahead,
2: Derek. I think... <laughs> I'm still smoking a cigarette after... Uh, <laughs> <Sure. series. laughs> okay, so after Tuesday's game, the middle game of the series, they lose 14-12, but it was like, that to me was a, yeah, who cares? That's Yeah, it's the Yankees. You're the Twins. That's how I was feeling. Like, just brimming with optimism on the Twins' behalf after that extra inning loss. I was like, all right, cool. Go get one reliever, maybe two, if you got... If you got the prospects for a starter, go do that too, and then it's on. I didn't feel like that club was overmatched. But I guess I do feel a little bit different after Wednesday's game, seeing Jake Rizzi kind of melt down early in that start, because now you start to worry, I thought he was your third starter in October. I tried to tell Se- you, second or third. I tried to
1: tell both you guys, no shade, he's having a great season. And I wasn't ready after two months to say, he is, man, this guy is like, Starting, starting caliber, all-star game type pitcher, like the, the the measurement is how will you fare against Yankees, Astros, Red Sox type lineups. So and from that like perspective, you have to move him down a peg after what happened. Objectively,
2: totally from that perspective, I guess I'm a little more nervous for the Twins um, after Wednesday's game. So I don't know; it's mixed emotions for me. I'm curious what you guys think.
1: I would say, just and I, and I, I I thought of this series in the context of 15 years of Twins and Yankees. And, like, Glenn, you were part of a large chunk of that 15-year drubbing. And I think the record, like, Gardy's record against the Yankees was something like, if you played it out over a 162-game stretch, it was like 50 wins.
0: It's, I think it's like 120-loss yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's incredible.
1: So my thought was... The Twins. I'm. I'm a. I like body language. I'm a body language guy, and I am also an analytical stat geek, Fangraphs guy. But when I'm watching that game two nights ago, and the Yankees keep sitting up from the grave, and they just keep running out Aaron Judge and Edwin Encarnacion, and eventually Giancarlo Stanton, and they're just hammering you and making this comeback. And the Twins' response was to basically spin on it. That, the Twins' lineup thinks they're better than the Yankees' lineup. You can tell by their body language. Did you guys see? The Max Kepler, Araldus Chapman at bat the other night. I know we all saw the at bat. And Max Kepler called time twice. Not be, not like call time and say sorry to the pitcher. I got a I got a gnat in my eye. He deliberately called time twice to mess with Heraldus Chapman. And I love that. I think like there there's a certain cockiness with this twins lineup. And I know we can sit here and talk about um, you know, we can compare some of these Twins teams from the past that were just not as good as the Yankees, and we can do that same thing here. But I also think a big part of why the Twins couldn't beat the Yankees in the regular season or the postseason was there was a mental factor in play that they couldn't get over. There was a nervous factor in play watching to me and even just like talking to some people. Um, I don't think that exists with this team. So my main takeaway is the Yankees are still going to be really, really hard to beat in a postseason series, but this Twins team has no fear standing toe-to-toe with them.
0: I agree with that. Um, I, I some of that stuff, like it just it's like the, you know, this goes back to two thousand two that the Yankees had beat up on the Twins. Like the, nobody's none of these guys were there. None of those. Like I remember the first time that that Miguel Snow went into Yankee Stadium. I think he had a he for sure hit a homer in the first game. I think he might have hit two homers, and it was like, oh man. And it's like, well, yeah, he doesn't. He you know he didn't play against Andy Pettit and Mike Mussina yeah. and. Yeah. All these other guys care about Rick Reed. Yeah. Like, he, he, you know, so that stuff, I don't think, and also those guys, they know they, they do know they're good and they are good. There's still uh, analytically, you know, we talked about it last week, the run differential things. Like, there's still stuff that points to this team being really good. I think a couple good things happened out of of this series. Some that are positive, some that are negative that I'm going to spin into a positive book uh, PR machine Glenn Perkins. you know I, I you watched them play them you watched them play the Mets and they could not score and the, and the one thing they did against this Yankee team is scored they scored uh, they combined for almost 60 runs they scored 20 some 25 28 runs in in three games so That's good if they can get their obviously that's when when they were at their best they were scoring six runs a game when they have started to slump here they're down under five four and a half to five runs a game four point seven something like that so there's if they can continue to score runs now they're not going to score average nine a game but if they can if that offense gets going a little bit like it did against this Yankee team that's a good thing Uh, I think that it they did show that they can. That they can play with them, not that they need to prove that to me. Like I don't think that matters, but they did. Like they took some pretty good punches and and stayed in it and punched back. Something that I had never seen before. Really, you know, it was you get knocked down, and you're just out. Yeah, you know, even the 2017 one game playoffs, score three in the first, and before you know it, you're you're down seven three or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I think I think the other thing that happened is it showed. And Derek and Felvey and Thad Levine—they know what they need to do, but it showed. I think it showed the weaknesses, and I think that that's a good thing. That they are so close to being able to to whoop the Yankees' ass. Frankly, I mean they they were they were close to doing that. Yeah, and they can do that if they just get. So you you found your you found. Hey, we need. A couple bullpen guys now maybe that maybe it maybe it's you make a move for a guy or two but maybe it's some of these guys that they brought up that have done well that also have something to, to prove that don't care about you know any history or anything like that, um, but it showed it showed some of the some of the holes that they have in, in starting pitching in and especially in the bullpen.
1: Yeah, I think everything you just laid out it's it is a crystal clear picture of what this could be. If you if you want it to be right, the the lineup goes toe to toe with the best lineups in baseball. They're out in front. I know that home runs around the league are up, but they're on top of that pack and they're on pace for 300 plus home runs in a in a in a sport where no one has ever hit 270 home runs in a season. And if they want, really, it comes down to how much are they okay giving up in terms of prospects and future and team control to help this year's team and they yeah. have to make that decision in the next week.
0: Yep. And and it, it just it showed I guess it showed the the warts. Yeah, you, it did. You know. And and that's a good thing. You, you know, you early in the season so much got covered up by the fact that they just beat the snot out of every pitcher they you faced. You win 12 to 6. Yeah. And it's so it's like you're winning, you're winning, you're winning, you're increasing your run differential. You're but you know and, and they they did pitch better. Jake Odorizzi pitched better for the first 2 months of the season. Um you know, but that's that's kind of why I've been saying it all along, like get somebody to put ahead of barrios because, and then it knocks everybody else down a peg, and that's okay too. But it, this series showed what they're capable of, and also what they need to do. Yeah,
1: dude, this I, I I don't think you could have asked for a more just a better picture to be painted because it really is now all up to the front office to decide. And if they were to decide, you know what, everyone's asking for Royce Lewis and Alex Kirloff. <laughs> And we're just not willing, we're not willing to give up six years of Royce Lewis to put more chips on this year's table. Um, And I understand that logic, but I don't think, this is where, I've got like two, uh, I've got two thoughts, one on my right shoulder, one on my left shoulder. And like logical long-term thought is, hey, you've got a nice little window here of five or six years, and you know even if you bring in two or three great relievers you're not you're not going to be a 60% chance to win the world series so don't go too crazy but definitely add some pieces but the other baseball voice on my other shoulder which i'm listening more to is this is a this is a <laughs> throttle down week and this is the best chance you're going to have in this window to win a world series go in go get noah Syndergaard. go get whoever it may be um, ken giles name keeps popping up Makes me nervous with his elbow inflammation. But, like, you got you got a week. Now there is, and I know, Derek, you actually, let's throw this out, too. You were at the ballpark the last couple days. And I know a lot of fans are wondering, okay, there's some contracts out there, some guys who make money. How willing are the cheap poll
2: ads to bring in actual salary at the trade deadline, right? And what did you hear? They'll do it. They'll do it. I asked Falvey if... Uh you know, because there, there are two day. Really, there are two ways you can approach the trade deadline. If you're a buyer, you can say, "All right, we got prospects, and this is our currency. This is this is what we're going to go shopping with." That's fine. And the Twins have that currency. And I personally think I'm not trading the top, you know, three four guys just for a three months of a reliever. But I'm not scared of talking within the top thirty. There, I, I'm not a prospect hoarder by any means. That's one way you can go shopping. The other way is you can go and take on undesirable contracts. You can say, "Hey, this guy's a good player. He's probably overpaid. His club's probably not thrilled to be paying his salary, and they're not going anywhere this year. Hey, we'll we'll take that off your hands." And that's like that could be a win-win without much prospect movement. So, I was just kind of curious if the Twins would be willing to do that, not with anybody in mind necessarily, but well, he didn't hesitate. He didn't skip a beat and he said, Oh yeah, if we we absolutely can do that, we would have ownership support to take on salary if that's the right trade. Mm-hmm. So again, I mean it just confirms what we've like kind of always known. It's like baseball decision. Is it a good baseball decision? Alright, then we'll do it. Is it not? Okay. Then we're not going to take salary just to take salary.
0: Yeah, and it's never it's never been about the money. And baseball decisions Become a little bit easier when your team is playing the way the twins are playing and when you have the pieces in place already, that's when you can maybe you know listen to the voice on Phil's
2: left shoulder and and push some chips in. win um Is this that scene from Rocky hey, Phil? Hey, yeah. But what are we waiting thing? for? <laughs> the bell goes off. There's just one thing I want you to do. Phil, why are you crying?
1: Win. <laughs> Dung. Win. <laughs> Alley wakes up, does push-ups. <laughs> He's chasing a chicken around. Uh, yeah, is there like a like a Rocky training montage scene happening at Target Field right now? There has Thad to Levin's, be. All the analysts are like running around. Does Thad Levine drink raw eggs for breakfast and that then get I up at the confer. crack of dawn to run around Minneapolis I, I with a bunch of that. kids chasing him up steps?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what what stairs would you do? I don't know. By the way, I saw I saw uh, Glenn's tweet the other day this is the Aaron Hicks thing is your fault if John Ryan Murphy hadn't hit a 420 foot moonshot off of you in the ninth inning
0: uh-huh this uh, is your no, the twins probably yeah. aren't as impressed with uh with John Ryan Murphy no and that was make it. that trip. I hung him a slider he hit a... it was like uh, either his first home run or the only home run he ever hit off a breaking ball and uh <laughs> and I'll be Gosh dang, if, if uh that's why you know no they he, uh, and I, I, I'm i friends with him, and so it was, you know, that was, it was in jest. That's not, that was definitely not a dig at him. It was just, uh you know, that had kind of gotten joked about over, over time a little bit. And uh, so then I wrote it because he hit the home run. And then of course he Little was, did you know. <laughs> that I know Glenn. he's going to go make a diving catch in the left center field gap to end the, I mean, that, if he doesn't make that play, the game's over. Yeah. The Twins win. And Kepler's a hero Ke- again. Yep. Like, and. And if, if, you know, and then he so he catches it, and then they they win, and it was like, okay, well, I didn't see it coming
2: from that side, yeah. but okay. you know what's crazy? Sorry to cut you off, Phil. Like that moment when Hicks goes and takes it in left center, I was thinking to myself because of how many like haymakers had been thrown, and this is a heavyweight title bout. He catches that, and I'm like, oh, cool. Well, this sets up a fun next inning. Like, who do they have left in the pen? And I'm like, oh oh, the game's over. Yeah, it's right. it's over. like it didn't, it didn't feel like it should end there. <laughs> that,
0: I mean, that was, was like, Sano hit that home run, and I was like, stood up like, no no way, no
2: way did that
0: just happen. <laughs> then Hicks hits the home run. I'm like, no way did that happen. And then he makes like, Kepler hits that ball, and I stood up again, and I'm watching. Ball game. And Hicks just like
2: Superman dives. That's probably the best catch of the year. Two and one to Kepler. A drive to the game. Aaron
0: Hicks with the catch of the year. So that it was a great catch in the situation. Maybe the catch of the year. What I what I find the first thing I think about when I see guys make plays like that is where what would that have looked like if Byron Buxton was yes. out there? Yes, and Byron Buxton for sure catches it without diving. The camps maybe not. I mean that 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 was a, it was a like a slicing tailing, uh you know line drive fly ball thing, but he catches it without breaking a sweat, yes. and that's my first reaction to every every play that's made in the outfield. I'm like, a, some spectacular play. I'm like, yeah, Buck would have Buck would have caught that with a, like it would have just been, yeah. you know, that's in, getting swallowed up. In fact, last
1: night, man, I and mean, Jake Cave's playing center field because you got to, like. You got to J Cave's on your roster, and he has to be out there. And Byron Buxton's not ready to come back yet. Was it the first inning? He had a brutal inning in the, the field. first inning.
0: No, it was good because that O'Reilly went one, two, three. The yeah, second, it was, like, it, it was the second, second inning, second we, inning yeah. four spots. And
1: he he makes the just the completely ill advised throw to try and throw a guy out at third base, yeah, allowing first runner gets a runner get to second. So there's first and second one out, and then tries to dive on a ball that he had no chance catching that Byron Buxton would have caught. So yeah. you could argue that yeah. that Jake Cave just, I, and I get it, you're in the middle of this, you're a human being, and you want to prove yourself, and everyone else has been proving themselves, and you're getting out there and you're like, I'm going to show that I belong on this roster. I just saw eight guys get DFA'd throughout the week, and he just went above and beyond what he was capable of doing, and it for sure led to two runs, maybe even, I think it was just two. I think two two runs for sure that would have not scored if Byron Buxton was in center field.
0: Yeah. Which it seems to be about the the average. Game, like, <laughs> right, it's crazy. Like, yeah, like but we,
1: Kepler, like Kepler's a really good corner outfielder. Yeah, you put him in center, and he's probably a below average center fielder.
0: Yeah, and and what what I'm fine with him out there in limited action is that he's not going to dive for that ball. He's just going to play it because he's he's like you know what I'm not going to screw up, and I'm okay with that. When when there's a guy playing out of position, I'm okay with saying. With a guy being like, I'm going to play that on a hop. I'm going to keep him at first base because if I dive for this thing that I can't get to and he gets to third, it just opens up, opens up a whole other can of worms. He's not super aggressive. He's much more aggressive in right field when he plays. Yeah, and I think he's dealing with a little bit of a lower body something with. The, he had the hammy, I think, going a little bit. I think his ankle is maybe a little sore now. So he's he's kind of hobbling around out there, and then he's got to play a you know a more difficult position. I'm okay with with a guy not diving for a ball, especially when he's out of position. When you see guys do what, what happened last night, it's just kind of one of those like, eh, that's, that's not a great choice. Nobody's Byron, I think, is yeah. what we've learned. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've, we've talked about it so much with the time that he misses, how much they miss him. And, like, yeah. their record with him and without him is drastically different. And, and it's got as much to do with, with his defense as anything else. That he just balls that you don't even realize. That he catches are 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 highlight plays by other people, and he just gets to them. With, yeah. without breaking like a like that that Aaron, the,
1: the Aaron Hicks catch is the quote unquote catch of the year because he had to dive for it. Yeah, if Byron Buxton catches it, it's still just as much of an important out. Like if the tables were turned and the Twins were leading in that spot, but it wouldn't have been a web gem. He would have just like he would have caught it on the run, and the game would have been over. It would yeah. have looked routine. That's where like not to not to rip Jason Kubel, but Like, Jason Kubel would make, or anyone who... Oh, yeah, sliding
0: catches in that? Yeah. yeah. And so he would...
1: Jason Kubel would be on ESPN for a web gem because he's making a diving catch in the gap that Denard Spann would just, like, kind of coast over and catch Mm -hmm. it on the fly and would never be on SportsCenter. And that, kids, is why defensive fielding percentage in the outfield is not a reliable (laughs) statistic. It doesn't account for rain. Can we ask you about nervous home plate umpires when we come back here? Yeah, I think we saw yep. one the other night, and uh, well, let's let's just save the conversation for when we come back here. It's the score on our twin show, Glenn Perkins. It's a
0: live show and a free beer with Score North. I am interested. Be a part of the Score North Twin Show live from Modest Brewing on Tuesday, August 6th, 5 to 7 p.m. Join Mackie and Judd with Rami, Derek Wetmore, and former Minnesota twin Glenn Perkins for the Score North Twin Show live from Modest Brewing. Just register for your ticket and show up for a live show, a complimentary beer, and prize giveaways. Get your ticket at scorenorth.com. Keyword, Glenn. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. 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 The Score North Twin Show on ScoreNorth at ScoreNorth.com. Welcome back to the Score North Twins Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. Uh, I forgot to introduce you guys before last uh, segment because I, I don't know. People probably know you, Phil. Nobody knows who Derek Wetmore is. I was going to say, two men who need no introduction. So, that guy talking is Derek Wetmore. The other guy. The guy the, cackling. And and that's Phil Mackey right there. Yeah. So, uh, he's been on billboards, things like that. Derek kind of just behind the scenes. Uh, um,
2: Derek's ballsy too, though, just so you know. Is he? Yeah. It's All never right. been proclaimed in public <laughs> the same way it was for Phil, but yeah. So, two nights
0: ago, it was two nights ago. Yeah. Uh, The home plate umpire, for lack of better term, struggled. Uh, Yes, (laughs) and I was, I was, I remember getting frustrated early on in the game. Um, And this guy Ramon De Jesus is back there, and he's a call up, like a. So they have, they have their crews. This is the way it works: is they have however many crews that they they got to have at least fifteen. So I think they have like eighteen full crews. Okay. So they send, you know, they got fifteen of them at, at games. They got. A crew in New York doing the replay, and then a couple, I think, get like some off time, and then they have this group of of umps that are basically like all these twins pitchers that like like uh, Cole Stewart, like Ramon He's De got Jesus. minor league options. Ra- left. Ramon DeJesus is like Cole Stewart. Like, oh, you, you, you get call up.
1: You get options. Is can you run out of options if you're well? I I, a I
0: like jettison. That's we've we've been over that before. I love that term. So uh, we need jettison. to je- we need to jettison yeah, you. Yeah, he got jettisoned. But jettisoned is more like what happened to Blake Parker. Not, I guess when you're going up and down, you're not getting jettisoned as much as if you're getting like jettisoned is kind of like you're getting Go. you're done <laughs> jettisoned you're out of here. Uh, but so Ramon De Jesus is behind the plate for for this game, and I, I you you Phil you brought it up and said that you have a theory about it, and then I'm like this guy must have been sweating it thinking about having to up a game where Aaron Boone yes. is in the in one of the dugouts.
1: You nailed my theory after okay.
0: what. Aaron, Aaron Boone did on
1: Sunday, so he's a the fact, and I didn't know that he was a call-up, which makes my theory even stronger. Yeah, if it's Angel Hernandez, he doesn't, he probably didn't even he, Angel Hernandez doesn't even have the internet, like he probably didn't even see the Boone video. But this guy is already probably nervous because he's umping a Yankees game. He's a call-up, and he's young, probably has Twitter, probably saw the clip of the Aaron Boone video, where Aaron Boone is in another young umpire's face, dropping words we can't say on this show, saying Titan it." Up. our guys are savages in that bleeping box I promise you in slow motion in his mind as he's playing out that Tyler Duffy perfect breaking ball in the perfect spot full count gets out of the inning twins probably win the game and it probably went through that umpire's head I don't want to hear from aaron boone <laughs> I really don't want aaron. I don't want to be a meme on the internet I'm just I, i'm i'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to call this ball four. I'm
0: going to get Rob, I'll get Rocco to come out here and yeah. just kind of
1: soft talk a little bit. Okay,
0: Calmly do you <laughs>
2: explain to me
1: from a from and, and Rocco? I think Rocco has done a great job just from my perspective, not knowing anything about like the inner workings behind the scenes day to day. But um, it was a criticism from Royce on our show yesterday. If you're going to come out and get tossed like Rocco did, do it in the moment. Come out, don't wait for the result of the of the inning to play out and feed it as a player. Does that matter to you? Like if you're if you're Tyler Duffy in that spot, or you're in the dugout, and your manager's going to get tossed, would you rather have been in the moment right after that pitch?
0: You know, I, I think that Rocco might just have a different, and not that not that any other guy is disrespectful, but I think Rocco might just have a different respect for how hard it is being a little bit more of a recent player, and so he probably wanted to make sure. I don't think it was as much about the inning being over and how it turned out or or anything like that i'm guessing that he probably just wanted to make sure that that pitch was a good pitch and so i don't know i mean it's it's fine like the the whole the whole like go out there and kick your hat and and you know sweep dirt onto the plate is funny but like does it i mean none of that stuff really does anything anyway so i just think he he wanted to go out there and say hey look uh <laughs> you missed that pitch you've missed a bunch of pitches tonight We've checked, you know, and, and that's not good enough. And you especially can't miss them in situations where they need to be called. That being said, that, that curveball, like, it's not that's not a, a slam dunk strike for me.
1: Well, it's not when you don't have access to a K-Zone.
0: Yeah, but even those I don't I mean, you know, that that pitch like you get on the border like that and this is this is the argument for for electronic strike zones. But those pitches that are all on the on whatever corner or on whatever edge of the strike zone it might be are 50-50 pitches. And and I don't think there's a harder pitch to call than a and and he's got a tighter curveball. Like that bigger curveball might get called a little more often because it appears to be higher. Duffy's is so tight that it it comes in and it's already looking like it's at the bottom of the zone, then it breaks. And so, I don't know. I mean, it it, it probably should be called a strike. It, I think it was a strike, but like I don't think that, and, and I think that also is why Rocco didn't run out there right away because I don't think that's the one that he, I don't think that pitch was a straw that broke his back. I think that it was the culmination of a bunch of stuff that happened. And probably, I, I think that there was a little bit of just general frustration from a tough stretch where they haven't been playing well, and you know, you, you saw. I think maybe as fired up as he's going to get, but I thought he handled it. I thought he handled it fine. What are
1: the What are some of the like the the unwritten rules about that dynamic? Because I I think uh, who was was it Derek Shelton that came out eventually and apparently, like he walked out and he said... Apparently
2: j
0: Rowe got kicked out, too, James yeah, Rousen. Yeah. yeah,
2: James Rousen got tossed for Barker from the dugout. Yeah, I and think after Shelton, Rousen got Shelton tossed...
0: Shelton did go out once. Shelton came out, and I could kind oh, of he, read his he, lips. He went out when Rousen got yeah, tossed? Yeah, and he okay. just said,
1: stop looking in our dugout. Yeah. Stop focusing. Focus. You could tell, I don't I'm I'm paraphrasing, but you could clearly tell he was saying, focus on the game, not our dugout. What are those, because that type of stuff happens. So
0: that's always Guardy's biggest pet peeve, and that happened earlier this year when Steve yeah. Little was barking, and, and Gardy gets kicked out, and I was sitting there with Anthony LePanthe, and he was like, what What happened? I'm like, oh, I guarantee you that Steve Little was barking from the dugout, and the umpire looked, took his mask off and looked in. And you got to, I don't know. I mean, you, you you definitely have to have thick skin as an umpire. That's just part of it. And if, you know... The thing is, is you 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 look at it from both sides. So the ump is out there doing as best as he can, and then the then the team has high speed cameras where they can look at every pitch, you know, and their their uh, this the 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 pitch the data like you can see where every pitch crossed. All those things, in right? The, so, in the dugout now, right? I mean, well, got no, these. I mean that that stuff is that stuff is just right behind. I mean, okay. Nate Damon sits, you know, a three second walk from the dugout. He's right up at the top of the stairs by the batting cage, so it's like he's right there. So like they can open the door and be like, "Nate, was that a strike?"
2: But they pick up the phone
0: and they can like... no, it wasn't, you know. And then I think what rocked is probably, "Hey, all right, we got to go, I want to go look at these four or five pitches." And so in, in between innings, he probably runs up there, looks, and it's like, "All right, I got to go talk to this guy." I think that's what happened. But those umpires need to
2: have some some sort of a thick skin. Well. And, and, and a lot of them, especially the young ones, don't. Think about how challenging it is. Let's just think about hitters. Because most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about umpires. How challenging it is for most hitters on this planet to look at a borderline two-seamer that's running and determine, is that going to land in that little imaginary box above the front of the plate? That's a really difficult task. So major leaguers got to be major leaguers, in part because they're super good at Focusing in at the moment, they key in on what's important. Ignore everything else. They ignore Woo guy at Target Field. They ignore the wave going on around them. It's Wu guy. That's Araldus Chapman. Here comes the fastball. I like Woo guy. So oh, I
0: was I was on. It's you, isn't it? It was two, last Tuesday or Wednesday when they were playing the, the Mets, and I was sitting down talking to Roy Smalley um, about. It was on Wednesday because the first the, the, in game in the Tuesday game, uh, Sano struck out a couple times on, and there was one where he had it was a really good at bat. and He took a fastball up and away that was a ball that i um, called a strike, and then he struck out on a fastball down and away that was even further off. And I said it's amazing that these guys can stand at the plate and watch a ninety some mile an hour fastball, and they could draw a line. Directly below where that ball crossed, like in the dirt, like they could say that that ball was yeah. two and a half inches off the plate the or one inch can. off the plate. Yeah. it's incredible that they can do that. And and he and I'm like, it, that's what sucks. That's where I feel bad for a guy like Sano, where he battles through these at bats and he takes that hard that that tough slider to you know, and and that he loves swinging at and he takes it and then he gets that two seamers like that's outside and then the ump calls it a strike. Yeah and and then so then Roy said, yeah you know those umpires when they sit on that inside corner to a righty the that down and away that kind of that whole uh strike zone that whole that whole you know first base side of the strike zone away from a righty is just a guess
2: fifty fifty
0: and and so that's where it's that fifty fifty thing so it it gets even harder when the ball's down or when the ball's up so a lot of times you'll see that the strike zone like the upper out Corner of the strike zone gets kind of cut off because it to an ump when they're down, crouched on the inside corner, then that that pitch up and away to a righty looks like it's six feet off the ground and four feet outside. Who, ha- he, who has a better so, chance? Oh, go ahead. Continue. So then, then, then you, then the other thing that happens is you throw that curveball, that down and away curveball, and it's the same kind of deal where you just, I think that those umps. From what I understand, too, the bottom of the strike zone is basically a guess. Like those guys have a hard time telling. Yeah, is that you know like four feet above the bo- and even even um, uh, Judge last night struck out looking in the first inning, and he thought that pitch was low. Now it wasn't. But his knees are also like three feet off the ground. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, right. yeah, he's he's seven feet tall, and but, there's, like, there's like a cloud passing between him and where the ball so was. So I
0: guess it just in, in the long story short, that 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 curveball to Duffy, I don't think that was the one that 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 made Rocco snap, that made him go. There was a check swing in there, too, at some Um, point that he
1: didn't like. Because
0: that pitch is so stinking hard to call. It's so hard to call.
1: Would it it be easier? Let's say we're going to stick with humans calling balls and strike. which That seems like a bad idea. It's not going to happen. But if we are, if we're going to stick with humans, wouldn't it make more sense to have somebody behind the pitcher calling? Like, just have a better perspective. You're not crouching behind another human. You're not like... Kind of worried about getting a foul tip off your face. It's going
0: to be the same difference. You're you're going to lose. You're going to lose depth perception because you're further away. So trying to figure out where that thing crossed the plate is going to be harder from further away. Yeah. Um, You're definitely going to get the. You're probably on on fastballs. You probably get the strike zone pretty nailed. But it still would be tough to see, like, the corners. And I mean, you're just, you can get them out there maybe with some, like, binoculars or something.
1: <laughs> How much can you get away with? I was, I, I love Duffy's reaction because he walked off the mound. He thought it was good. Yeah. And then he kind of crouches. And yeah. then it was it Castro catching that night. And, like, Castro turns around. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and, like, all of a sudden, everyone everyone gets free reign at this umpire. What, what are typical conversations like? If you're not happy with a nump, like, what... What can you say? What have you said? Well, you didn't really do too much of that, Glenn. Well, the, but your but one one slider was probably misjudged at times. I'm guessing. You
0: know, but I, I I didn't have a whole lot of issue with it. I would get squeezed on the inside corner to righties when I would try to throw like a two seamer that just kind of come back a little bit. I sometimes wouldn't get that inside corner. Um, and so I I mean the one I, the I, the one time that I remember like actually getting mad, getting mad was after a game and I got kicked out. And it was when I got kicked out after the game ended. So. Did you guys win? I don't know. I don't Honestly, I think so. But the, the, like, the game was over and you said, Yeah, I don't think we got
2: walked. I don't no, think I got I, walked I off. remember this game because I think you gave up just like a fly ball to right field and start walking off the mound like yeah. before the right fielder catches it. Yeah. And you started to have a few words with uh, yeah. your professional colleague, um, ejected after the but, game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it, like Duffy, Duffy handled it well too. Like you got him out. I mean, I did that. I, I I threw Johnny Damon a slider at Yankee Stadium one time, and the umpire flinched bad. And I it was one of those, it was just like Duffy, where you throw it and you're like, that's a strike. And so I start j- going to jog off the field, and I got almost to the line when I realized that. Because this ump like stood up like he was going to call it, and then he didn't. And I got almost to the line before I realized that he didn't ring him up. Do you think, because we're dealing with humans,
1: and umpires have egos a lot of them when he sees you walk into the line and he's on the fence do you think in that moment they're like what percent chance in that moment he's like nah not on my watch buddy
0: yeah i especially back then cuz that was that was like 2008 or 9 and so it was before the all the the grading and all the the you know all the cameras and all the stuff that they have now so that's when guys would spite other, you
2: know, whether it was a pitcher or a hitter yeah, or whatever,
0: umpires used to spite. Yeah, definitely guys.
2: non-zero chance um. that that happens. <laughs> happens, but I
0: think anyway. I think I went back. I so I was like almost at third base line. I went back, and like was like sorry, and then I think I struck him out on the next pitch. <laughs> like, I think I threw one bad. more pitch, and it was like uh, you're
1: out. Where, where does the Aaron Boone rant rank among uh, all-time manager like? Like you, as as fans and people who aren't that close to those conversations, we see that come across the internet with boom mics, and we're like, in like I even tweeted, inject this into my vein. Like I want that access.
0: I what I is liked, that
1: a realistic conversation that happens. What I
0: liked about it was that he didn't. You know, it wasn't like the you up and up and the you know like like attacking him per se. Very he was empathetic. Saying, he was saying, "That's <laughs> a really bad for you." That's a really good. Well, he did say that, but he's <laughs> so he's funny. like, "That's a really good pitcher out there, and my guys in the box are really good, and we want this game called I right." He wants this pitcher wants the game called right. Our hitters want the game called right. So call the game right. And I think that that like. I mean there was some f bombs in that stuff but it wasn't like there was no attacks on the guy there was you know it was just do a, do a better job you got to do a better job yeah because my guys are really good that guys really good and you're not being very good right now I liked it I mean I I, I thought it was it's it's entertaining like that's that's it, that's
2: okay but is that so that's not out of the ordinary like that was kind of a just I a, think
0: his is a, I mean that's definitely out of the ordinary okay
2: because like, you you know you don't
0: see Conversations like that, that often.
2: No, that right. Poor I mean, oh, man. But like, if you could, if we saw all of them, is this just kind of like? I would middle say, I would, I would say that's a that's one of the better ones it's up there. Okay, yeah. Okay. That
1: guy looked like he was twenty three years old, just out of college, and this is his first job full time. Like he takes his mask off, he could barely make eye contact with Aaron Boone, and Boone sensed it too. Boone, like part of the dynamic was he's like, this guy's weakness. new. Yeah, this guy, <laughs> our guy. What, what, what do you think he meant by "our guys are savages" in that box?
0: Just, like, really good, aggressive, well, hardworking hitters. But like, what was the point of bringing that up as, as a... So it's him saying, like, you're not giving them a chance. Those, they're, yeah.
2: they're, they're savages in the box, and yep. you're not giving them a chance to be savages. He goes, this guy's good out there on the mound. He's trying to dominate this at-bat. My guys are walking up there with a great eye at the plate. They're trying to dominate the at-bat, and you're giving nobody a chance. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I think what it amounted savages. to. <laughs> Our guys are savages in the box. I couldn't good get guy, over it, though. amazing. These guys are really good out here, and you're having a really bad start to the game. And I feel bad for you. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well,
1: don't bunch of C. a bunch of Fred Savages, a bunch of Randy Savages. That's maybe what he meant yeah. in that box. Um, it yeah. is the Scornor Twin Show. Glenn Perkins on baseball, and just a quick, a quick shout out. If you're a Twins fan out there and you want to watch us do this in person, if you want to watch us in our uh, neck beards and uh, our hot baseball takes. We are going to take the Scorner Twin Show with Glenn Perkins on the road at Modest Brewing on Tuesday, August 6th, 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock is the window. We will record a live Scornor Twin Show live to the audience, and then we'll run it back the next day on ScorNorth. Tickets are free. Go to ScoreNorth.com. That's S-K-O-R-North.com slash Glenn with one N. So ScorNorth.com slash Glenn, and you can register. you got to register. Tickets are free, but you got to be on the list, so go register for a free ticket Modest will give you a free beer. We have giveaways and uh, all kinds of other fun stuff. And um, looking forward to it on Tuesday, August 6th. That's a 7-10 game against the Braves, who, by the way, are like 20 games over 500 themselves this season. The Braves are uh, sneaky good. So it should be fun. And Modest is just down the street from the left field target field entrance for people who haven't been there before. And uh, because it's a brewery and it's Glenn Perkins, it seems like a, a perfect fit in a couple of weeks. Let's come back. We'll talk more. I've got a theory for you guys on... Uh, this year's Twins team compared to other Twins teams. It's the Score North Twin show. Glenn Perkins on baseball on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app.
0: This copyrighted show is presented by authority of the Office of Score North. It may not be reproduced or retransmitted in any form and the accounts and descriptions of this show may not be disseminated without express written consent of Score North. When's your next TV? Uh, twins Hall of Fame weekend, the second, third, fourth. Um, Royals come to town. To get bludgeoned. Yes. So the Royals
1: are finally done playing their 37 games against the Indians. That's nice. They yeah. can take some time for the Twins. 37 yeah, more got, later uh, this month.
0: Yeah. It'll be fun. Bunch of guys coming back in town again like Maurer's weekend and uh, doing a little golf on Wednesday with Jesse Crane. He's got a charity golf tournament going on. Sweet. and uh, Yeah. Do a little hanging out with them guys, see them guys, and then uh, put on my broadcasting hat. Yeah. Or my pre and post game show hat, I guess.
1: Go into a phone booth and change into your FSN suit.
0: Yeah. Yes. Hopefully, so- it'll still be warm enough. It was awesome, uh, This the Mets series, wearing a polo instead of oh. having to put a suit on. <laughs> so, we had that Armed Forces Day, Armed Forces Appreciation Day, and so we had to all wear the same outfit. And it was like 115 that day. Oh. Um, aggressive! During the pregame show, I pitted out my on my shirt so bad that I couldn't take my jacket off. I had to go I went and met some soldiers, some World War II vets, and uh had to leave my jacket on because I was just completely pitted was out. Was it
1: more than just the pits? Was it like back? Well or, yeah, was it, it was everything? like start, it was like
0: going down like my rib cage oh. and like down, you know, like probably down <laughs> the inside of my shirt to my elbow. Like that kind of like pitted out.
1: Do you guys remember that I think he still coaches Yeah, he coaches Auburn now, that basketball coach, the college coach, Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl. He'd sure. sweat out the he'd wear that Tennessee kind of orange blazer, and yeah. you sweat the
2: blazer around. John Miller's man. got that too, but oh. I guess when the feds are chasing you, you yeah. make it a little sweaty.
0: <laughs> Garth Brooks, uh, I went to his concert on the Saturday night when he was here, and he had worn like a denim shirt. And he sweat started sweating that thing out yeah, as time oh, for went on, sure. and oh. that stuff turned like dark blue. Oh man, you know, like it was a very noticeable. Like kinda, he was getting some underboob sweat. He does, yeah. And then, what like, does
1: Garth care about underboob sweat at this point? <laughs> no. He's worth like a five hundred million dollars. Yeah, you no, know? he's
0: he's he's all good.
1: <laughs> okay, can I ask you something? Because I went to the Friday night show, and it was amazing. Like that guy puts on a ridiculously fun show, but the whole night he kept telling the audience, "This is one of the greatest nights of my career." This is like this is legit top, I've, I've done this for thirty years. This is a top three crowd. Did he say the same thing? Yeah. To you?
0: So my, <laughs> so he said that, and of course my wife believes it. She's like, "He, see, we're so awesome here. Like, right? Like the typical Minnesota. Who like. likes that more than
2: Minnesotans? <laughs> by and,
0: the way, and." I'm like, all right. This is what we're gonna do. Then we're gonna go to another place. Like we're gonna fly to wherever else he is, and we're gonna go to his show there <laughs> yes. and listen to him say the exact same <laughs> stuff.
2: <laughs> oh man! I God.
1: asked. Well, we or shortly after that, I had a chance to go out and do some shows from because we're an ESPN affiliate here at Scornar. So I went out and did a couple shows from uh, the ESPN campus in Bristol. And Jason Fitz is one of their hosts. Jason Fitz is now one of the top. TV and radio sports guys in the country. Well, he was the fiddle player in the band Perry, so he, he's like a Grammy award-winning country fiddle player, and he just decided, "I've been a musical prodigy my whole life, and I'm going to go and be in sports." And so I, we had him on the show, and I asked him, "All right, I got, I got, to, I got to know." Garth Brooks told us that it was a top three night of his life, top three night of his career. That Minneapolis and US Bank Stadium, that he's going to remember this forever. Have you ever toured with Garth and has he ever said that? And he's like, I hate to burst your bubble, but he said it every single night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every night he was on tour. Yeah. No, I would
0: do it just, I, I, would, I would do it not only to prove to her that he says it everywhere, but also just an excuse to go back again because it is incredible.
1: Yeah. He's Colin, amazing. Colin Baton Rouge. What, what would it take for us to get you, Derek Wetmore, to go to a Garth Brooks concert?
2: I'll probably see the movie Major League before that happens. Okay. All right. We got to make that happen before
1: the season's over, too. A group viewing of Major League with Derek Wetmore. I would love to watch that movie with someone who's never seen it before. Yeah, fresh eyes. I think you might get a little... Uh, are you sentimental at all? Oh, yeah. I think you might... At the end of that movie, there's some there's some feels. There
2: are going to be some waterworks. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> there's some feels.
1: Uh, I have, in the last couple minutes here, I have a... Not a hot Twins take, but just like I have updated my, in my life, most fun Twins teams to watch rankings... And I'm not counting 1991. I was six years old and barely. I rem, I do remember Game Six and Game Seven. It was like first baseball memories. But I'm going to say post 1991, most fun Twins teams to watch. The '95.
2: Yeah. How, how did you know? Yeah. <laughs> 94, 95, just incredible 96. Incredible yeah. baseball. Yeah. I mean,
1: 1995. Bob Tewksbury. Yeah. No, just that's. A I mean, those,
0: those those teams were. It's as good as it gets. Dan I Nolte. Mean, just try to try to top a team seven ERA. Scott (laughs) Stahoviak. I challenge
1: you to an obscure Twins name off from the 90s. 2019, I'm ranking second, just behind 2006. 2006, 2019, 2001, because of just how fun it was that a team popped up out of nowhere that almost got contracted, and then 2002, paying off what they couldn't finish in 2001. Those are my top four right now in
0: my lifetime. I've got yeah. I those. I mean those are all good. Those teams back then were were fun. Uh, that two thousand three was it two thousand three that they lost to the Angels in the yeah. ALCS? 0-2. that was oh two.
1: Yep. Okay. So oh three was the the first Yankees loss. Oh two was oh two was when they went two thousand two they, they went to they, Oakland.
0: They beat
2: Oakland. That's right. beat Oakland they beat and, and then they got and beat, and then, beat
0: then, in the ALCS. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, by
2: Adam Kennedy. Three bombs in one game. <laughs> yeah. He was ahead of his time, launch <laughs> angle and juicy baseballs. Uh,
0: that that would have been mine because I remember watching. I was in I was a, just starting my sophomore year of college, and I remember watching those playoff games like over at one of the baseball houses, um, and that was super awesome. Oh six was cool. I mean, I got to be a part of that one at the end, um, and I just remember that that was the year they went on that run, right? Like they called up Bartlett and. And and end up going like seventy one and thirty four or something like they
2: they
1: jettisoned Tony Batista I believe in that season. yeah and Juan um, Castro poor Juan man.
0: Castro and uh, this but this team I feel like th- there's st- those all three of those teams are so different like O two was like the startup Twins like you know that was like the get to know them stuff O six you got an MVP 0-6 smell them. Yeah, 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 that would have been. I mean, that was kind of like 06 to 08 maybe. The Salem Twins. Um but so then the, that 06 team you had some like legit. And and 02, you, they ended up they had some guys that ended up being
2: pretty good. But That's before they were good. Yes. or like coming like in. it. like Tory,
0: that was kind of Tory's first, you know, go around of being like a star. But 06 they had the batting champ who could have won the MVP they had the MVP and they had the unanimous Cy Young award winner. So that team's a little different. This team though with like just dropping bombs is awesome. Like there's nothing more fun to me than guys going up there like literally every guy in the lineup is going to be a 15 homer yeah, guy.
1: It felt for a long time those <laughs> Twins Yankees series like the Yankees have always been well the bombers, right? And it felt like the twins were walking into gunfights with a fly swatter in 2009. Yeah, and, and, like, that, and I've, the, now the, they're, the they're walking into a gunfight.
0: They're walking into a gunfight with a bazooka now, yeah. and the, that's so much
1: better. We're the piranhas, and we're going to eat your like. The, no, we're just going to shoot you. Yeah, we the Yankees, but now it's an actual, it's a heavyweight gunfight. Yeah,
0: I guess. this team, this team has been as, you know as as fun as any in my memory. Yeah. That has been Glenn
1: Perkins on baseball, the Scorner Twin Show. You guys can give us. A lot of love and spread the word about this show by just giving us a five-star rating and a positive review on either Apple or Spotify, and by downloading the Scornorth mobile app where you can listen live to Scornorth, you can listen on demand, and you can read uh, all kinds of fun stuff from guys like Derek Wetmore. We'll see you guys next week, and we'll see you on August 6th Come see us at, at Modest. Modest. If you want tickets, they're free, but you got to register at scornorth.com slash glenn.